0: How's everybody doing this morning? Would you turn to your neighbor and just one more time say hello, how was your, how was your morning this morning? That was my distraction to go get my, uh, my little pulpit over here. That was the most horrible sleight of hand ever. If you have your Bibles, go to the book of Acts. Go to the book of Acts. I love talking about the book of Acts. Next week, we start a new series called Holy, Holy, Holy. It, the, the graphic will look like holy to the third power, but y'all, y'all will know what it means. Um, somebody wrote me from Texas, a friend of mine, he was a former intern. He goes, is your series called Holy Cubed? I'm like, yeah, so just let it go. I cannot wait to preach the next series. I am so stoked about the next series. The heart of this series, and I'll admit, like, uh, I, get, I get very good feedback from series. I also get challenging feedback at times. But there's just been something about this series that has stirred something in the heart of our church. And uh, so some of your messages, some of your uh, just little notes to me, things like that have just meant the world. And it, it has told me. That just our focus on what we are wanting to do on Sundays, um, it's been important for all of us to kind of get our mind around, our brains around to figure out, okay, why do we do what we do? Is there purpose? Uh, Why do we show up? Why do we sing? Why do we listen? Why do we invite people? We're understanding that what we do is all extremely biblical. And uh, I love that last week, some of you took the challenge of taking one step further in your worship. And and just coming forward, I mean, last week, uh, I'll tell you this, I emailed my board and I said, when I call everybody forward, could you make the first motion forward? Because sometimes everyone's waiting for one person to go first. I didn't have to make the call. Watching so many of you just step forward to worship has been wonderful. And even today, listening to the amount of voices singing around me is just, it's tremendous. I love the heart of worship of this church body. Uh, my heart really is to develop just fully fledged followers of Jesus Christ. My goal is just to develop compel, compelling missional disciples. That's the term that I, that I've kind of come up with. Is the it, I just want to get people not just into the presence of God, but I want them to get missional in their brains, to look at the world around them and realize there's a world to be reached, but yet at the same time, to, to, to have this formation and development within their life. I mean, that's why Pastor Kevin has a position. He's called the spiritual formations pastor. He's in charge of discipleship and growing but so often in church that we sometimes can get stuck in one of three areas. We've got a graphic for you. It's got like three circles on it. Um, but it's something that um, I had my, my admin make for me to help you understand where I'm truly wanting to lead this church. Because, I mean, I do want to be a people of the presence of God. How many of you want to be a people of the presence of God? All right, half of you. Wonderful. The rest of you, I'm glad you're here with us. Uh, our security guy walked in the, the, the back of the worship center with his hand up. I want to be people of the presence, but if we only, if that is just what we're all about, we can have a proclivity to just, instead of going into formation and mission, we can get stuck in presence, and presence is great, but if we just stay in presence without developing it or going out from it and being missional, we can get into hyper-spirituality. And there are some people that just want to grow. Pastor, I just want to grow. I just want to grow. And sometimes we can get so focused on growing, we lose focus of the, the presence of God, and we get unfocused on the mission, and we can get into a place where we can get into spiritual narcissism. I'm wanting to grow, and the church is here to help me grow. And we turn inward and we become spiritual narcissists. Or we have some people that, Pastor, we don't need the presence of God. We don't need formation, We just need to be on mission. And mission sounds great, but all we're really doing is we're just simply trying to make the world a better place. It sounds really good, but I think it's a shallow version of what we're actually called to be. And now, as we kind of navigate our life, we've got presence and formation. And so I want to be in the presence, and yet I want to be formed. But if we don't have a mission to step out into, we live in spiritual selfishness, and we live inward, and we become an inward church. Yet if we have formation and mission, those those seem great. I want to learn about God, and I want to be on mission. But unless we're after the presence of God, then all we're into is social activism. And social activism is great. But we need the presence of God. Why? Because when we have all three of those work together, we have what we call compelling missional disciples. I want to make sure that we are a people that are after the presence of God while we are wanting to grow and letting the presence of God form us and shape us while we live our life knowing that there is a mission that Jesus Christ has put every single one of us on to go and to make disciples of all nations. This is where I'm wanting to take our heart and our people, to live in the tension of these three. Well, Pastor, is there one more than the, uh, greater than the other? I would say we need all three. We just need the presence. I agree, but we need formation and we need mission. We need mission, but we need presence and we need formation. We need all three working together to create lives that are missional, compelling, and disciples of Jesus Christ. Let's pray this morning. Lord, one more time. We just offer our hearts to you, asking that you would just meet us, challenge us, shape our lives, Lord, and help us just to encounter you in a deeper, deeper way. Shape us, Lord, as we close out this series. We pray, pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Twelve years of my life I spent as a youth pastor, which means there is a demented side to me. My wife, now, granted, I would blame her for things that I would do because... If I did something with teenagers and was in the ER because of it or on YouTube because I ran through a fire instead of jumping over the fire. By the way, you can find that on YouTube. Not right now. Look at it later. Um, I would blame her. I'm like, if you hadn't left me alone with the teenagers, that would have never have happened. Isn't it awesome how you shift blame for whatever? I can, man, I can shift blame like crazy. But with teenagers, there's just something about me that, like, I'm hanging out with the high schoolers. We'll do this. We'll do that. But there's something about just hanging out with middle schoolers. Oh, middle schoolers are amazing. They're like billy goats. They'll eat anything and do anything. I love middle schoolers and so whenever we do our annual cedar point trip we take like you know 100 150 students to cedar point and it's like releasing the hounds onto cedar point no high schooler wanted to hang out with me because periodically throughout the day i'd have to go and be at certain points so everybody checks in and they don't want to take up their day but middle schoolers they don't know what cool is yet which is why they wanted to hang out with me High schoolers are like, he's not as cool as I thought he was, and they just go do their own thing. But middle schoolers, we just hang out, we go ride rides until somebody throws up, and then we just keep riding rides. It's, I love middle schoolers. And so one time, we're, we're, we're talking, it's like a hot June or July day, and we were talking how we were annoyed by these, like, burly guys. Obviously, they're in a cut-off sleeve T-shirt because the sun's out, the guns are out. And so they would... As they're going through the lines, and you know the lines at Cedar Point, which are all metal railings, and it's like a maze, getting from the back to the front of the line. And it takes you, I don't know, anywhere from a half hour to an hour and a half to get through the line to get on one ride. Isn't that an enjoyable day right there? So we're talking about these guys, these big really guys, they're like, they like have to like grip the poles, like the bars, the rails, and they would just kind of lean in to a girl that they were talking to or trying to hit on or whatever, but they're just walking around, they're flexing while they're holding on to these bars, and everywhere they're walking, they're just holding, the drag dragging their hands, and we're just, we're talking about how annoying that was. It's like, what is, what is up with these guys? And so I had this idea. What if we went to the concession stand and we got little packets of honey? Now you got to know something about your pastor. I don't do anything. I put other people up to it. <laughs> I did this at Bible college. I've done this as a youth pastor. I, this is my hands are clean. I didn't do anything. It's these middle schoolers just did this. So what my middle school well, my middle schoolers did. I did not do do this. They did a little corner size their walk and they would just kind of. Drizzle a little bit onto the poles. And so as the lines are going, we're watching these big lug heads just kind of, they're just walking, 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 walking. All of a sudden, they're just like their whole body just like the spirit got a hold of them. And their bodies are just all over the place. And they look at their hands. And, and, and their the girlfriends are kind of looking. They're like, oh, like, don't touch me. And they're like, you're in the middle of a line on a hot day with nowhere to go and no way to clean your hands. In my middle school, I'll admit, I laughed until I almost wet myself. My middle school was like, this is the best day ever. From that point on, they really didn't care about rides, they just cared about honey packets. I am that guy. I'm saying to every middle schooler do not do this. This is a bad thing to do, <laughs> terrible thing to do. And so that was just, we spent the rest of the day just honestly being entertained by big old dudes, like dragging their hands. All of a sudden, their hands are jumping up, and then they're walking the rest of the ride. They're just like walking around like this. They don't want to touch anything. And we just split a gut the entire time. We talked about it on the bus the entire ride home. Now, why would we even talk about that on a Sunday morning? Because I really, thats my heart for K first, is that we honestly would have a very sticky environment. Some of you are not touching the rails or anything around here today. I have done nothing. I have not employed any middle schoolers today, anything like that. But it is my heart that when people show up to K first, that there is something adhesive about the atmosphere here. That they, we would not walk in and immediately sense we have got, we've got factions that we have got. Uh, cliques that are here, that this is a place that's not penetrable for any type of relationship, that people will walk in and first and foremost experience the presence of God in the atmosphere. But through your life and through my life, that people would experience the presence of God. That we would be such conduits that when people enter in, whether it's a smile, a handshake, a, a how are you, a greeting time, that there's something that would take place that would give us this sticky atmosphere that says, this place could be my church home. This place could be my church family, because if you look at scripture, scripture is very communal, extremely communal. In fact, when, how did Jesus teach us to pray? Did He, Jesus, say, "My Father who art in heaven," Benny he gets the pop tart, "Our Father which art in heaven." In fact, the apostle Paul, who wrote a majority of our of our old excuse me New Testament, he says fifty three times the words "our Lord," and only one time does he say my Lord. Or here's some lingo that we say in the church. That Jesus is my personal Savior. He is my Lord and my personal Savior. Do you want to know how many times that's actually stated in the Bible? Zero. Not a single time. And now... Do we have a personal salvation? Yes, we are saved as an individual, but we are saved into a family, into a group, into a community. We are the people of God and we belong to the people of God. God has called us into biblical community. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about the biblical aspect of community. So if you're a note taker, let me give you uh, some stuff to write down here. Number one, church community is found in gathering together. Church, This is going to be a quick one today. Church community is found in gathering together. I love the big gatherings. I tell you what, one of the things that has broken my heart this past year was the fact that we had to cancel Christmas candlelight service. Shattered my heart. I waited, everybody else was canceling. I was like, like, we're plowing through. Broke my heart because there's something about turning out all the lights and watching the sea of candles from wall to wall. I love gathering. I love, as a youth pastor, I love Wednesday nights watching a couple hundred students come together and to worship and to celebrate. But to be honest, the gatherings are great, but the large gatherings are not the place to necessarily build relationships. They're the place to initiate relationships. And for so so long, we want to see churches bigger. Listen, I'd love to see us grow more and more every single year. That's that is the goal. By the way, we want to keep growing, and we want to just keep seeing God add to this community. But the honest, the goal isn't numbers. The goal is community. That's the difference. In fact, look at this: Acts chapter two, verse. uh, Verse 46. I'm going to go skip to verse 46 right now, then I'll go back and read my main passage. It says this Day after day, they met as a group in the temple, and they had their meals together in their homes, eating with glad and humble hearts. Now, I want you to know, notice something about it. They met as a group, they had the big gathering in the temple. And notice the sequence. They met in the temple, but they also went and they met in their homes and they ate together. There's something so beautiful about that sequence. Because, I mean, you can create connections here, but it's hard to create relationships in the large group. That's why you've got to sit with somebody at a table, talk with somebody over a coffee, not bad coffee, good coffee. you got to go to Chick-fil-A on Mondays, not on Sundays, don't go there today. you got to go to Chick-fil-A and just sit across from somebody, get into more than a connection, develop real relationships. Why? Because real relationships take us beyond, going beyond ourselves and having a posture of generosity, giving time, effort, energy, energy, and care to people for whom we are not used to caring for. So my challenge to you today is you are part of the large gathering, go one step further. There's my key phrase for the day, is go one step further. It takes me to number two. Church community is found in walking together. Church community is found in walking together. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 46, it says that they spent their time learning from the apostles, taking part in the fellowship. I'm going to pause right there. I want you to notice how many times you see the word together or fellowship. Take a part in the fellowship and the sharing of fellowship meals and the prayers. And many miracles and wonders were being done through the apostles, and everyone was filled with awe. And all the believers continued together in close fellowship and shared the belongings with one another. There's another phrase. They would sell their property and possessions and distribute money amongst all according to what each one needed. Day after day, they met in the temple. Uh, they met as a group at the temple, and they had their meals together in their homes, eating with glad and humble hearts." We have six to eight references of fellowship, together, or all, or some, whatever. There Everything that's being hinted here is we are called to be a community that walks together, operates together. You've heard this multiple times in this series. We are saved as individuals, but saved into a family. And there is callings that are upon your lives. What's a calling? Unfortunately, in what culture I grew up in, the church culture, is when we heard calling, what do we normally think of? We thought of pastors, or we thought of missionaries, we thought of evangelists. When we think of the calling of God, we always thought about vocational ministers. But I'm here to say, we have short-sailed the call of God. Because some of you cannot, should never be a pastor. Why? Because you should be what God has called you to be where you're at right now. Some of you are in the health, healthcare field. Some of you are engineers. Some of you are a homemaker. Some of you are teachers. Uh, some of you are just starting listing off whatever it is. Know this, that your calling is just as valid as my calling as a pastor. Every single one of us has a calling, but I want you to know this about your calling. That commun- That there are aspects or parts of your calling that cannot be accessed, or I'll say it this way, they cannot be grown without community. There are things that God has called you to that you will not be able to develop, you will not be able to access, you will not be able to bring fully to the surface without community of the people around you. You need people. Extroverts, you need people. Maybe a little less than what you think. Introverts, you need people a little bit more than what you think. We all need people. There is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. I love Jesus, I just don't need people. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We need each other. People annoy me, okay, they annoy me too. We still need people. And I understand this, that sometimes I will talk about the church being a family, and for some of you in the house today, that is a very, very loaded word. Because some of the trauma that you've gone through with your family, trauma that maybe you've gone through in a marriage, maybe some of you come from some very toxic backgrounds, there's maybe some individuals here you don't even know who your parents really were, I'm here to say that I understand that that can be a loaded question or a loaded word, and that word can come with trauma. But just because, just because an earthly family or an earthly group has handed us a wrong definition doesn't mean that we push away from what God has set up. We're called to be family. I mean, to be honest, that's what baptism is all about. Did you know that? Baptism's all about family. And it's, I mean, up until... I mean, it's always been a great symbol. I believe everyone should be baptized, and it's great symbolism. You go down in the water, showing your old life that has passed away, and you come up out of the water with brand new life. But it's only been in recent history that we have just stuck to that symbol. But did you know about historically when it came to baptism, baptism was actually more was about the symbol of what it is and about the family you're being welcomed into? Because what was happening in ancient times and it actually still happens in parts of the world around us, is that when you got baptized, they took you to the public square where there was a place to have water, a trough, something, and they would baptize you publicly to proclaim your faith in Jesus Christ. And many times when people proclaimed their faith, their families would disown them and say, You're not, you're proclaiming Christ, you're not in our family any longer. So when people went under, they went under family lists. But when they came up out of the water, they looked at the people around them, cheering them on, saying, I've got family again. It was a place for family. Let me say this, if you've never been baptized, you ought to get baptized. You should email us, literally right now. Pull out your phone, email us, info at kfirst.org. I-N-F-O at kfirst.org. Or Go on the QR code right in front of you, scan it, contact us. If it's one person, if it's 20 people, we want to baptize you. Why? We're family. And we want to celebrate the salvation that has come in your life. Why? Because we want to walk together with you. And and baptism is one of those things that introduces us to family. We're called to walk together. Know this, that community is not a compartment of the church. It's the essence of Christianity lived out in this life. We talk about community. Well, community, church community is just for other people. We just just attend. We got to get out of the Americanized, capitalistic mindset that we just attend. We just attend. We just utilize the church for whatever it gives us. We got to get out of that place and to get to the place where we are community together. We are family. All my brothers and sisters and me. I told myself not to go there at all. We need everybody, and every person here needs genuine relationships and friendships. And so my challenge to you today is to take one step forward. How can we do that? I think one of the easiest ways to do it is to join a table. Uh, if you grew up in a church with small groups, we call our small groups table, tables, and I'm here to say this, that tables will transform you. Why? Because relationships, community transforms you. Because, man, there's when you've got a need in your life, listen, there are times that I've had people mad at me that I didn't know about the need in their life because I wasn't the one to come pray for them, for which I said, did you tell anybody, no, Pastor, you should have just known that. I'm like, oh, I, I wish I could have. But what I love is when I, is when I hear about there's a need, but Pastor Dave wasn't the first one there, but people's table was the first one there. Their group was the first one there. The, their friendships, and their relationships were the first one there, and I'm the a cherry on top, so to speak. I come in at the end and I'm like, I, I really have no job here in this moment because community did what community is supposed to do. And so we've got a litany of tables that you can join. Are are we done forming tables? No. But we've got more. I've got so many dreams for tables. I've got a dream for uh, divorce care table, emotional care table. I've got dreams for uh, the tables for singles. I've got dreams for tables. We've got a great young marriage group right now. We need a not-so-young marriage group. So if people are clapping, you just volunteered to lead a group. (laughs) But we've got tables that can meet people in so many spots. And here's a huge, 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 huge praise to the Lord. All right. Um, next month will be the 14th anniversary of all of you being nuts enough to vote me in as your pastor. And so I was talking with Pastor Marty about the history of small groups in our church. Pastor Marty in July will celebrate 23 years of being here at this church as pastors. That's incredible. Marty and Lisa are tremendous. And obviously they are because they got the hand clap and I didn't. Hallelujah. Pastor Marty was telling me, he says, he says, says, Pastor, I've been here for 23 years. And he goes, I'll tell you, when we launched small groups a decade before you got here, he said, we maybe had 10% of our church get on board. As of right now, we are no less than 45% of our entire congregation are somehow connected to a group. No less than 45%. And to me, that's still low. I want to see more. It's time to take a step forward. And I'm here to say, there are no... Like, best groups and not-so-best groups. They're all great. I preferred the fantasy football table myself. But if there is one that I think, I think I favor a little bit more than the others, is that favoritism? Yes. It's our foster care and adoption table. Scripture says in the book of James that basic religion is caring for the orphan and the widow. And the scripture says in Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing with heavenly places. He has chose us in him before the foundation of this world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of his will, to the praises of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him we have the redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us all in wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to the purpose for which he has set forth in Christ. As the plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on the earth, in him we have obtained an inheritance, and have been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were in first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. And Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promise of the Spirit, who is the guaranteer of the inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The very simplicity of this scripture is this. Is number 1 is every human being is valuable. Every human being is valuable. Not only did we have so much value in his eyes, the value was for him to come to us and to make it to make our lives. Our lives are so valuable. It was worth it for him to send his one and only son that he would die for all of us. And then God illustrates this with some very beautiful and emotional terminology that we have right here that we, every single one of us, we are all chosen and we are all adopted. All of us. In fact, if you look in Scripture, every single person who was raised by people other than a biological parent did tremendous things for God. We can talk about Matthew, we can talk about Moses, we can talk about Samuel, we can talk about Esther, and we can even talk about Jesus being with a biological father that was not His. Why why is this so important to talk about? Because I believe that adoption is the Father's heart for all of us. And for us not to carry that heart for the world around us, we are, why do we even meet? I'm going to ask for Kayla Coon to join me on the stage. Six years ago, we were approached by the state of Michigan. When I say we, we as the churches of Michigan, we were all approached. Microphone's right there. We were all approached because the, the, the orphan population got to a place where the state of Michigan, the government of Michigan said, we need to do something and we don't know what to do. And so they turned toward faith communities with a challenge that if every church could find one family to adopt one orphan, we were going to eradicate the, the orphan issue in the entire state of Michigan. And Kay, first, I'm just going to tell you, I was trying to do some addition last night, which is always a dangerous thing. But I sat back and realized that we have had minimally six families that have fostered and adopted children out of this church. And I look and I say, we've just gotten started. There's still more to be done. Would you please welcome Kayla?
1: I'm actually... Oh, I'm actually going to hand it off to Travis so they can tell you their story. They're one of our foster and adoptive families that are involved in our table, um, and I'd love for you to hear their story. Can we speak first? <laughs> um, I'm just going to quickly introduce us. If you don't know us, um, I'm Beth, and this is Travis Erickson. Um, we started our family through adoption. We adopted our oldest son um, 13 and a half years ago. We met him at the hospital, he was a safe delivery, um, which if you don't know what that is, um, a person can surrender a newborn at a hospital or a fire station or a police station um, within 72 hours. And um, so we met him at 17 hours old and he's been with us since. Um, We adopted our daughter uh, about two and a half years later, um, brought her home at four days old. And then we also have a biological son um, who will be seven in one week. Um, And now I'm gonna make him talk.
2: (laughs) Okay, Um, I'm a bit of a realist, so um, I wanted to dispel kind of two myths right off the bat. Um, The first one is that, you know, adopted kids are not lucky. Um, To view that, um, you probably haven't heard their stories. I mean, by definition, their story starts out with loss, so I just kind of want to dispel that myth. Um, and the second one is that adoptive parents are not rescuers or superheroes. Um, if if that's why you're getting into adoption, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. So, um, and you know, Pastor had already mentioned James, uh, James one twenty seven that religion is pure. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Um, We're all stained by the world. Um, And God's using adoption just as one way that he communicates to us about his true love and um, redemption. So, um, a couple years ago, I wrote what I call the heart of adoption. And as I was thinking about what to say today, I was like, that's still true, It's all true. So (laughs) I figured I would just read it again today. Um, Adoption can be messy, but it can also be ornately beautiful. Adoption is a legal act, but it transcends the limitations of law. Parenting begins with biology, but adoption transcends the constraints of biology. Adoption can be challenging, but it can also be rewarding. Some adoption stories begin with trauma, but the spirit of adoption ignites a journey towards triumph. For the child, adoption begins with loss and feelings of abandonment, but the end goal of adoption is inheritance. For the adoptive parents, adoption begins as an idealistic dream but it ends with a clear vision of both the reality of human brokenness, but also seeing God's huge heart of compassion for all his children. Adoption is an event, but it is also eternal. The spirit of adoption removes the distraction of biology and reveals that both forms of parenting, earthly and heavenly, are an act of choice and an eternal commitment to love your children. All of my children are adopted whether biologically to me or not. Seeing the world through adoption is to see God's heart. Our Heavenly Father so loved the world that he sent Jesus to take on flesh and humanity as his own. Jesus gets adoption because he was adopted himself by his earthly father, Joseph. Although he didn't have to, Joseph, a mere mortal man, actively chose to adopt and love as his own child jesus the eternal god incarnate the spirit of adoption is profound god chose us as his own he asks that we actively choose him as our own for all of us our heavenly story is adoption for some of us doubly blessed our earthly story is also adoption through adoption we realize that we are all family regardless of biology or skin color Adoption is the story of all of us.
1: I love them; they are fantastic parents and they are superheroes. Um, so I'm Kayla Coon. I have the privilege of leading the Foster and Adoptive Group here at table here at K Um, And I am here because every now and then you hear a statistic that completely shakes you and changes the way you think about things. Um, And when I was in college, I learned that the U.S. government actually bases the size of prisons in 20 years based off of the current number of kids in foster care. Um, And I don't love that. (laughs) Um, So there's definitely things that we can do, and that's a responsibility of the church to change that. Um, Here currently in Kalamazoo County, there's 500 kids that are in foster care, um, and 200 of them have to be placed outside of Kalamazoo County with other foster families because we just don't have enough here in Kalamazoo. Um, So being a foster and adoptive parent definitely isn't for everyone. If you're interested in that, Bethany Christian Services is here to chat with you and talk with you. My husband and I, we do not foster or adopt. I am just here leading the table having a great time. Um, and the purpose behind that is because we take very seriously James one twenty seven. that's already been mentioned that true religion is caring for the orphan and the widow. Um, so currently our group needs are that we meet once a month for a support group. It's really great. I've learned so many things from my families Um, how to parent, um, things that they have to deal with within the foster care system. Um, But more specifically, um, we do need child care. We want to make sure that we have opportunity for the parents to take time, share honestly without the ears of their children nearby. Um, And additionally, we also are blessed to have some single women who have decided to foster that are part of our group. Um, Two of them are runners, and they're constantly looking for childcare so they can go for a run once a week so that they can clear their mind because they are on full-time all the time. Um, In addition to that, um, with that, them being single moms, other families that we have, we really have a need for men to stand up and mentor these children. A lot of them have a horrible view of what a godly man looks like or what a man looks like, Um, And we have a divine opportunity to adjust that. Um, Additionally, we need a prayer team. We need people who are willing to commit to prayer and actually get to know our families, spend time interceding for them with the Lord. Um, we need a meal train because if you don't know when you get a foster care placement, you are loaded with paperwork and all kinds of doctor's appointments and things you have to do. And you're learning a whole new person that is now in your home and part of your family. So if we can just take that off of them, um, and provide meals for the first few days that their kids are in their home for the first time, we would love to do that. Um, additionally, our team, um, our Our families need support with anyone who understands school IEPs, special education, trauma therapies, anything like that. I have learned so much from them, and we just have a lack in that. So if you've retired, if you are a teacher, if you know anything about that, we would love to find a place for you. Um, So we have such a special opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this. Um, And the dream is for our group that all of the families in our church will be cared for that they will be supported, that they will be successful in their adoption and foster care journeys, but also that K First will be known in Kalamazoo as a church that's going to wrap their arms around foster and adoptive families and make sure that all of their needs are met so that they can be successful and we can really rewrite the stories for these kids.
0: If I can have my keyboardist come on up. What's my challenge? It's to take one step forward when it comes to dealing with foster families, it's important that we as a church do this together. Everybody can do something. I want to reiterate that. Everybody can do something. If you have questions about being involved, talk with Kayla. She's going to be in the back. I'm just volunteering her uh, to be in the back after service with the Best Bethany Christian Services. They're there to get information. Now, please know this. If you want information about foster ministry, foster care, do, don't be scared to go talk with Bethany. It's not like if you go up and talk with them, they're going to take a kid from under the table and just hand them over. Go ask questions. Ask yourself, how can I play play a part? My wife and I, we were respite care workers for foster families. And we've told foster families because they can't just go grab any babysitter. They have to have respite care workers and it's easy to get approved. And so anytime that people say, Pastor Dave Ann, could you take care of our kids for a couple hours? My thing is, like, as long as you don't come back in under three hours. That's about, please do come back. But go on a date, go make out somewhere, go make love somewhere. I don't care. I do say all of those things by the way. They're married. It's okay. It's, it's gonna be like this is awkward, sex in church. It's okay to encourage people to go have some lives that They can't have all the time because they need somebody to love up on their child, to give them the break to go running or to go shopping or to take a shower or to take a nap. They just need somebody to help love them and to love their children. And I think we can do that. And so my challenge to you this morning is to take one step forward. Ask a question. Take a load off of somebody's shoulders by giving them a meal. Giving them some child care. Being a friend. Tables, take a step forward. Foster care, take a step forward. And the third thing I wanted to speak to you today, and I wrap up with this, is church community is also found in working together. We find community gathering, we find community walking, but we also work together. I love how sovereign God is. God is sovereign, but he chooses to work through us. What do I mean? I'm challenging you to learn how to serve one another. We are able to do ministry around here by serving. Why we really challenge you pretty hard with foster care is because we've got children and families that need you to serve. We don't do this to get accolades. We don't do this to get the pats on the back. We do this to serve people. I love what 1 Corinthians 3.9 says in the Amplified Version. We are God's fellow workers, his servants working together. You are God's cultivated field, his garden, his vineyard. You're God's building." I love that, fellow workers. His field, his building. See, I've got a feeling why people don't join a table or why they don't get involved or why they don't maybe take a step forward with helping out with something with foster cares, because many times people will look at themselves and they say, "Well, it's just me. I'm insignificant." Has anybody in the house besides me you've ever felt insignificant? Anybody? You ever felt that way? Oh, there's a lot of us. Oh, we could have a therapy group together. Sometimes you feel like a small piece in the midst of a big puzzle. Remember in 220 when all of a sudden everybody was driving puzzles from Walmart? <laughs> Couldn't find puzzles. That's all we did for like the first three months. We just did puzzles because that's all we can do really in quarantine was puzzles. And, and, you know, a small piece doesn't seem that significant... In the midst of a 5,000 piece puzzle until you've got 4,999 pieces put together. And then you're looking on the table and you're missing a piece. And, and, And what do you do? Do you just put the puzzle back in the box? What do you start doing? You start ripping everything apart. You're checking under chairs. You're checking under the rug. You're like, Moses, where are you? you The cats run off with the piece. You're you're trying to figure out. You're you're chasing it because you realize that even though it seemed like a really insignificant piece when everything opened up, but when everything were to come together, you realize that piece is way more significant than it really is. So for every person that feels like you are insignificant, I'm here to say that alone by yourself, you may feel like, man, I don't really have the skill that somebody else has. I don't have the abilities, but I'm here to say, stop comparing yourself and see in the bigger picture, you are part of what God is building. And if you are missing, we are not complete. And I recognize that not one time have I put a puzzle together that I take a piece and I just slap it on a table. And that was actually where it was going to go from the beginning. I put it down there and realized, no, it belonged over here. No, 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 I forced those pieces that belonged over here. Because sometimes when you're getting involved in a table, you're getting involved in a team somewhere around the church, you're getting involved serving somewhere, first impressions or kids' ministry, sometimes you try something out out and you realize that's not a fit. I've had people say, well, I tried a table. Well, I tried serving. And it just didn't, that moment didn't fit me. I'm here to say, well, that's not the only place. That's not the only group. That's not, not the only time to serve. Maybe you tried something out with foster care and adoption and there was one aspect that didn't fit you. You know what? That one may not have fit, but there's still a puzzle there's other areas of it there you could or you could fit and you could help i'm here to say i it is not possible for me to be the human that i am if it were not for the other puzzle pieces in my life that have helped complete my life i'm looking around the room and some of you i wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you 2020, 2021 were t- very, very, very tough years for me personally. And frequently, Dan Dombas, he attends here, would just text me or just call me. It meant the world to me. It just meant the world to me. I started writing a book three years ago, and I feel like the past couple years my creativity got siphoned. And I'm here to say in about two months, three months, my book will finally come out. But it was Julia over here. It just kept saying, I want to help, I want to help. You've got something God's got burning on your heart. I want to help you, I want to help you. And, And that just has been this propelling inside my spirit to get out what God is developing in me. It was Jason Allen who attends here that when I had questions about race and I had questions about what was happening in this world and and I didn't know who to talk to and who, who to ask, that he would begin to speak into my life. He'd begin to just help shape my worldview, begin to help shape my heart. And when I needed more than just that, I needed a brother. I was going through a season of depression and he saw a little message from me. He works on an oil rig in the Middle East. He called me from Qatar just to check in on me and pray with me. have Joe who pulls me aside, and gives me the corniest jokes. In fact, him and Brad, they share it. Ab and Costello over here. When I needed a kind word and to know that I'm doing okay as a pastor, Joe would just give me the kindest, just the kindest little compliments that just would fill my soul. And numbers of you would... Every once in a while, just come and just give me a word. Shane, I just saw Shane walking back here. Oh, there he is over here. Every once in a while, Shane would say, the Holy Spirit laid you on my heart to give you this one word. And I find myself crumbling in my office like, God, you haven't forgotten about me. I can't, I'm telling you what, I can't be who I, can, who I am. I can't pastor with all, uh, without all of you. And all of you can't do what God's called you to do without all of us. We need each other. Those foster kids, they need all of us. I look at the wall of tables. We've got not even all of our tables up there. What does that mean? We need all of us. To hear the sound of the, the amount of you talking loud and yapping your yaps after the service has been such a beautiful sound in my ears. It reminds me we just need each other and we are better together community is necessary. It is biblical. It is nourishing. And it, will imp- and it will enable us to do way more than we can ever do on our own. This is not Lone Ranger time. This is the time for all the puzzle pieces to come together. And it's going to take some work. It's going to take some tryouts. Pastor Dave, I tried first impressions. I realized that I don't like smiling at people. Okay. We'll put you up in the sound booth. <laughs> but don't stop trying. Pastor Dave, I tried kids' ministry. And I'll be honest, I like that a lot more than being in here. I'm like, then don't be in here. Go be with the kids. Pastor, I've been meeting with a few friends in the church, and we want to start a Bible study for a demographic in our church that we're not meeting yet. Let's talk with Pastor Kevin. Let's begin to get behind you. Let's start empowering you. Let's start helping you out with that. But it just takes you taking one step. That's my challenge today is to take a step forward. You need to join a table. My wife is going to be over there by the, by the table. So You want to go look at the tables and ask questions, join a table. My hope is that every single one of you would overwhelm Bethany Christian Services and Kayla today by just simply saying, I don't know how I can help, but give me the information and maybe there's something I can take a step forward in. Because our families are in need. Our orphans are in need. If you have, ne- have never met one of our foster families, you are missing out. They're amazing. I was going to say they're my heroes, but I'm not allowed to say that right now. They're awesome. But they're family because we're family. We're family. It's a challenge, but we're family. We may fight, but we're family. We may not always see things eye to eye. I've got a couple Packers fans in this church. But we're family. We're family. So my prayer over you is this. Would you just take one step further? We're family. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for the abundance of your love. That you loved us so much that you came. Jesus, you laid down your life. For all of us. You came down for us because we are chosen. And through your grace, we were adopted out of a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom on a a family of light. We're adopted with a new name, a new focus, an inheritance. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to take on the heart of community in this church that we would just do more than just show up that we would begin to be work through things, Lord. For some of us in this room, Lord, I feel the Holy Spirit just laid something deep upon my heart. Lord, as some of us would begin to work through trauma, the distrust that we've got within people, the distrust that we've got within individuals because of something that has happened in our past. Holy Spirit, I pray for healing virtue in the house today that just would begin to cover hearts. would begin to be like a salve upon a wound, bringing, Lord, this place where we could begin to believe we could trust people again. We could trust church again. We could trust leadership again. I know it's not easy, Lord. But, Lord, there's healing virtue in your presence. And, Lord, I believe that you're wanting to heal people. But, Lord, sometimes we just got to take a step out of our own pain and a step into a brand new life. So, Lord, I just pray over every single one of us that we would find some way to connect to community. Whether it's a, a table, we join a team to serve somewhere. Hopefully today, Lord, that we would have people that would join and be a part of foster care and the adoptive heart of Jesus. That Lord, that not a single person within our vicinity, our sphere of influence in Kalamazoo, Lord, would ever be absent from compelled missional servants of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. Lord, I pray that we would just be a people compelled to make a difference through the family you've given us. Here at First, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me?